Hello, everybody, and welcome back after many long weeks to the Abandoned Theater Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Beck. You don't know me. Well, you might. I don't know if you've listened to the last few episodes. We are friends that like to talk about the movies. Um, a movie podcast. That's original, right? <laughs> um, and with with us as all with me as always is my wonderful also hosts. I don't want to call you co-hosts because that makes it seem as if you're inferior. We are, the, we are all hosts. <laughs> all hosts. All... all hosts at an equal level. Exactly. So introduce introduce yourselves, yo. I'm TJ Dwayne, and we haven't podcasted in a while because we've all been crawling through the wilderness of Calgary up in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, trying to eat raw animals. Yeah. And well, I guess they're all raw until you cook them. But <laughs> I'm Danny Spiteri. <laughs> uh, say, and, say that again. Your yeah. your voice is a little choppy. I'm, I'm no worries. I'm Danny Spiteri. Hey, what's up? Catch up that time. Cool. Yeah, yeah, you got me that time. I also like tacos. <laughs> we record yeah, this over I Skype, it so it's very <laughs> yeah. There's like there's such a weird like I I feel like I everything I say is probably coming to you guys like five seconds later. So anyway, Skype's yeah. uh, Skype's cool. It's a little choppy sometimes. Skype's cool. It's but, the uh, only, yeah. it's the only real option for recording <laughs> podcasts with people that live in different states. Well, me and Danny live in the same yeah. state, but different parts of them. <laughs> yeah, might as well consider northern and southern like different, or I guess Bay Area and southern. It's like three different states in one. Mm, yeah, yeah, uh, and you know your name. You don't say Hella. You don't say Hella. There's no. There's, I would not. You don't say Hella, do you? Or do yeah, you yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, we definitely do. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, so I guess Hella is, is is a whole state. I thought people always say it's a NorCal <laughs> thing, but I guess I guess that um, they're wrong. <laughs> I wonder what I wonder. We I wonder say howdy, y'all. <laughs> I wonder if there's a different, a major difference in dialect because I find that I can slip into a Californian's type of accent. You know, <laughs> like if you've seen the Saturday Night Live sketch, the Californians, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is so uh, true. Like there were so many conversations that go exactly that way. Like it's not, it's it's like Spinal Tap. You know, it's like if a band watches Spinal Tap, and they're like, this is this isn't funny. Like this is real. This is, this is a documentary, not a mockumentary. Yeah. And you are TJ Dwayne, also. I am. Yes. I thought I said that, but if I didn't, I apologize. Oh, uh, you might have. Hello, everyone. You might have. I'm not. But we are. But I, all three of us are not of the highest mental fortitude at this moment. <laughs> it's really exhausting crawling through the wilderness. It really is. Danny might. Uh, well, I don't. I don't know, but I'm willing to guess Danny has the is going to be the most cogent and coherent out of all of us today. <laughs> or maybe I'm putting too much. Maybe I'm putting a lot of pressure on you. I don't know. <laughs> we shall see. I guess you guys have been working with kids all day. Is that the truth? Well, yeah. Well, you're high. You're high school kids. Yeah, they're they're all kids. Yeah. I'm I'm interning at an <laughs> elementary school, so I'm working with. Uh, second graders, third graders, fourth, fifth, sixth, pretty much all of those. I, I like, I like, I like it so far. There have been very, good. very few hiccups. That's awesome. Good. That's good. Oh, yeah. But yeah, time to talk about the movie. <laughs> the movies. It's gonna so, be. I think it's gonna be. Inter- it's gonna be an interesting episode because the, yeah. the structure that we have planned for everyone. It's, it's gonna be probably. Well, this could be probably split into two episodes because yes, uh, a two part. Previous years are. 
since we're going to talk about our top 10 list, in previous years, our top 10s have gone a bit long, I guess I, that would be fair to say. Um, sometimes bit, epic. Yeah. Sometimes the Ben-Hur of, uh, of po- the podcasting world. <laughs> exactly. And chariot races and all. And the thing about it is we want to be able to make this more manageable. We're also going to do two reviews uh, yes. to start the show. And um, I, th- I think before we get to our top 10s of 2015, we should get to the last big release of 2015 and the first big one of 2016, which yes. are the, starting with the 2015 film that I've already alluded to. Let's talk about The Revenant. Let's talk about Leonardo DiCaprio eating raw bison liver. Mm. <laughs> Sleeping inside of a, what is it, a, ho- a horse carcass? A tauntaun, I believe. <laughs> so, uh, The Revenant is, uh, I didn't know if I was going to, do the plot or not, but I don't mind. Doesn't matter. All right. The Revenant is the latest film from, uh, uh, is he Mexican or Chilean? He's Mexican. He's Mexican. Uh, He is is from Uh, Mexico. Yeah. I don't know why I thought Chilean. Um, (laughs) the, the, the new film from Mexican, Mexican director, uh, Alejandro Gonzalez and Yaritu, who, uh, is coming off a really huge 2014, you know, it came out with Birdman and that, you know, took home all of the Oscars, all of the awards, and he's coming back again with uh, the Revenant. And the Revenant is about uh, it's about Hugh Glass, uh, who's played by Leo DiCaprio. And Hugh Glass was this real life sort of a mountain man legend. Um, like the, there were a lot of people in my theater that clearly came from that world, you know, and were excited to see this movie because of because of that, you know. Uh, and what happened, the, this is based on a true story. It's not, I'm not sure what parts are true and what parts are not, but so he goes on a, he's a hunter, you know, there is in the American frontier in the 18 or in the 18th or 19th, 19th century. I'm not really sure. Um, and they're hunters. Uh, they go on this hunting excursion where Leo or Hugh Glass, whatever, gets mauled by a bear and, uh, Tom Hardy, who plays uh, another hunter that's with him, basically says, eh, he's practically dead. Bury him. Um, it turns out he wasn't dead, and he's coming back for revenge. Um, I probably the missed a few... ghost of the yeah, title. I probably missed a few details here and there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, what, what did you guys think? I know we might have a slight difference... Difference there. We might have a slight difference of opinion throughout the podcast. It might be yeah, a theme which is good. today, which is very good. I, I enjoy... I enjoy these types of conversations. I think it's hard to go into this. Sorry, go on. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, ultimately, I find I come out positive on The Revenant, even though it's so much easier for me to talk about all the valid criticisms of the movie than it is about the things I like, because the things I like are, I do think it does have a good sense of scope in terms of the filmmaking. I think that it does create the brutality that Inyaritu is intending especially through the performances and through uh, Chibo's immaculate cinematography. Um, ultimately, I get why that this film is the favorite for the Best Picture Oscar, even though I don't agree with it. I think there's a better is example. Is it, though? It is. is. It, it's the, it's, at, it's at the biggest favorite. Yeah, at, as of this moment, it's a three-way race between Spotlight, The Big Short, and The Revenant. And The Revenant, it has all the momentum. Um, mm. It sounds like... Wow. Um, the producers guild went the big short, and that's a, that, and that has the same sort of ballot, like this preferential ballot. 
So yeah. that might sneak in a win. And Spotlight, all it really has is sag in the critics, and it might just feel like the people who are wrong and say it's a TV movie might feel strongly that that is the case here. Well, it's not um, like TV movies haven't won Best Picture before. Like, well, come on. <laughs> no, it's, you know, and, and that is true. But they also do like this sort of Braveheart style big Titanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they tend to go for that. Um, Return of Kings, which I like more than all these other movies I mentioned. Mm-hmm. But like, that style of movie they tend to like as well because it says, hey, look how good we are. I think your relationship to The Revenant in some, in a lot of ways, actually, I think it depends a lot on your relationship with Inyaritu himself. Good. Now, uh, it's hard to say what the majority opinion on Inyaritu is anymore because, you know, he's become this industry favorite. You know, he won so many Oscars last year. He's probably going to win so many Oscars this year. I even even his earliest stuff, which you know people still go back to Amoris Peros and like it a lot. I'm I'm sure you two probably like it quite a bit. I never yeah. really liked that movie, um, just because it's hard for me to remember why. Um, to be honest, I I think I just found well, it. Well, I mean, I I found it you know a little bit too. Um, I I actually don't know. I remember really liking the third segment of it. Because it's sort of into in three, a three-part film. It's back when the whole hyperlink cinema was a huge thing with Crash and you know with all of that. Exactly. I, mean, I remember thinking the third segment that ended the film off was really worthwhile, but not liking the first two. But I don't, I couldn't tell you why now because it's been so long since I've seen it. Um, Their self-seriousness, even in Birdman, mm-hmm. which is probably my favorite yep. in Yara Two film, um, I think that there's always this sense where he takes himself so seriously and you ask yourself is this for a purpose am i learning anything is is it just suffering for suffering's sake and i think with the revenant what what i like and am resistant to at the same time it's it's pretty unquestionably manly Mm, they're they're they're, there's sort of a manliness uh uh, going about uh to it well you know which can either be laughable or engaging depending on on what you come into it with your preconceived mm. notions in a way, I think. And, and for me, like, I absolutely see both ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm impressed by Leo's intensity, but at the same time, I don't think it's the best performance of the year. No, no. Which was, I, it's, not even, it's not even the best performance of his career. Yeah, uh, arguably, the, arguably not even the best of the movie. So uh, That obviously would be the bear. Ah. Very good bear. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Danny, what do you think? Yeah. um i agree with you guys first of all i think that the assessment of being a very manly movie is kind of kind of uh, on point i felt like a lot of his decisions as a director felt very um i don't know like i couldn't detect their purpose beyond being just like go big or go home go big or go home um, and I felt that especially about the the I guess yeah I felt that especially about like even the moment where Leonardo DiCaprio's character looks into the camera near the end I didn't see a point mm-hmm. in that other than just like here's like a powerful shot you know what I mean like it, it just didn't register it's not like Twelve Years a Slave where that happens and that like made more sense oh, thematically and it, like therefore yeah. rang it, that was like a really emotionally impactful moment for me but this one just rang false to me. I don't know. I I will be honest that I got bored in this movie. Um, yeah, me too. I, I thought I, I didn't yeah. want to, but it, I it, did. Cinematography was. 
saying that the um, score by Ryuichi Sakamoto and Alvanoto, two Japanese composers I really like. Um, mm. Actually, Alvanoto is not Japanese; he's German. Um, but his music reminds me of Japanese composers because it's very like usually very glitch-oriented in a way that like someone like Ryoji. Ikeda is probably totally mispronouncing the name, but anyway, point is, it's two pretty cool composers that I would not have expected to score this film, um, and uh, it made her a pretty cool score that actually was one of the qualities that did engage me a lot throughout the film. Yeah. Um, but I just thought the the plot itself was repetitive and kind of like didn't. I wasn't. In, I thought the characters were underwritten, so I didn't really have anything to invest in so i got bored yeah like there's <laughs> this scene that... there's a scene where tom hardy is giving this monologue by a campfire and you're like this is supposed to be this big revelatory moment for his character but he, he's just rambling like is uh, the one where, I, he, where he eats a squirrel yeah i think so uh, like just for me like what i could take out of it it sounded like just a dude ramble <laughs> a dude rambling yeah. and i thought like <laughs> You could have done more with this. I feel like this is a genre film. At the end of the day, it is absolutely. It is, genre. and I, I think that's, I think it's totally cool. I think there are moments of this that are super thrilling. You know, the whole, the Emmanuel Lubezki long, long take stitching thing is almost a, it's, it's a very established thing at this point. If you've seen Children of Men, if you've seen Birdman, if you've seen Gravity, um, you know what this movie looks like. Even though it's it's all shot in wide angle, which I don't think is really necessary, but whatever, that's absurdly technical. Um, I go on. Sorry. Oh, I, I I was going to agree with you, and I was also going to say that I think that the first forty minutes of this film are great. Yes, me too. Legitimately yeah. great. So Masterpiece true. level. The best thing he's ever right. done. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, like it's I, wonderful. I didn't think I was going to get bored. Yeah, me neither. It, it's yeah. just a thing where, like, okay, you have this this genre. It's a genre film, like I said. The the the, the story itself is really bare bones and really it's a revenge film. Uh-huh. And the thing is, I think that's fine. I think what the problem is is when Inyaritu thinks that he's Tarkovsky. Like that's my problem. Uh-huh. It's that he has to insert. He just can't help but insert this. You know import uh, this artistic weightiness that mm-hmm. is inappropriate for the story and that doesn't fit um, there's a sequence where he goes to the where he goes to a church this ruined church it's yeah. this really beautiful visual moment but I, I don't see I, I don't see what it I don't see what it adds other than you know this sort of in my opinion kind of shallow appeal to spirituality but which you know is in keeping with Tarkovsky because he was such a spiritual filmmaker and, you know, I'm not the only one that thinks that. I just retweeted no. this. I can't remember which critic tweeted. I think it was Tasha Robinson. Tweeted this uh, uh, this Vimeo link. Um, I retweeted it so you two can go find it. Of th- these very, very specific shots in The Revenant that are direct callbacks to Tarkovsky. So uh, th- one of them I can remember off the top of my head is he has a vision of his, his uh, wife flying right above his head. Uh, Leo does like his wife is like laying down and floating above him. That's that is a direct Tarkovsky thing. He did that in almost every one of his movies, um, all the ones I've seen anyway. And he, he also um, references Kurosawa. Yeah, Kurosawa. Just how with how down and dirty the fighting in Seven Samurai is, it 
very mm-hmm. much reminded me of that. Um, and also all... the intensity that Mafune goes through in Throne of Blood mm, uh, yeah. when they actually shot arrows at him and sort of like, you oh, know, wow. how manly. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen the last five minutes of Throne of Blood, it's amazing. Um, but it's similar here where that sort of intensity that Mifune goes through in that Macbeth adaptation, um, Leonardo DiCaprio is sort of going through here and sort of performance through not really acting but experience where Mifune was legitimately frightened he was going to die mm. um, in that scene. He's not acting, just like Leo's quote-unquote not acting here by actually freezing his balls off. Like, mm. I mean, that I think is... What he's going for, but I don't think he reaches the heights of Kurosawa. You say that this is a genre film, and he's referencing all these these great auteurs, and I think you're right, and I think it's that confusion, because on the craft level, this is immaculate. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's totally, like, costuming is great. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as we said, cinematography, the score, all of this. Were, I mean, I think everyone's brought up great points about yeah. how, how Inyaritu brings up all these great things. Maybe he just needs a damn writer. <laughs> Like, yeah. yeah, or someone, and, I think someone to tell him no, honestly. I yeah. Think. Someone to tell him, yeah. no, this needs to be, to be, uh, you know, this needs to be pulled back a little bit. You know, we had this idea about director's cuts, about how every, the director's cut of any film could be automatically be improved. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that's always the case. And I'm not, no. uh, I've, I've, I'm not one to encourage studio interference. However, mm-hmm. I think there's a reason that a lot of director's cuts don't get out there. I think, I think a lot of directors are in too in love with their own material. You know, they don't want to kill their babies in a way. Um, with this film, a man gave in to 153 or so million dollars and said, make your money. So this is oh, absolute- one dude. Yeah. Uh, the, wow. the, the, main guy, the main guy at Regency films is like, you need to make this movie. You have Leo, you're going to make the money back. So go make this movie. Wow. So Yaratu had total and complete control. That's why he's. That's why his cameras were freezing because he wanted to to live the elements. You know. Well, yeah. There, there's this whole. Uh, this, this film has a reputation for having a really grueling shooting schedule and, you know, fighting the elements and all that. So, so um, I, I like I, the, I, I like this movie. I want I, I want to make it clear that I like this movie. I, I've been trashing it a little bit, um, but I like it. I think that. Um, I still think Inyaritu has his head up his ass, I, and I, I still, I still don't buy him as this great new director, not not even a new director, but you know, as this great auteur. But hey, I, I actually like this more than Birdman, surprisingly. Um, I, I guess the last thing I have to say about about this film, and then and then Danny can have his uh, his say as well, um, is that. While I like it, if Inyaritu wins these next two Oscars, that means he's matched John Ford and Francis Ford Coppola. <sighs> and it'd be really weird for me to, to, to call him as, like, on that level. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I've become, I've, I've I mean, become yeah. to just, I mean, oh, I've, yeah. I mean, I still... Woody I've, Allen. <laughs> like, I, I've just come to accept that there are people that get, there are people that the Academy loves. And it doesn't mean I have to love him, but That's they're true. perfectly allowed to yeah. love him. As but it's much okay, Billy, because Billy Wilder still has six. So. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. I would just say no, no worries. I would just say that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. I I liked it overall. There were a lot of things about it I liked. You know, we didn't really talk 
talk in detail about the cinematography, but they definitely did, you know, do a lot of good stuff with natural light and all that. Inyarchi like, is definitely a very good director. I mean, he's definitely a very um, competent, and not just a competent director. I mean, he's very, you know, he, he's a bold director, and he, he makes he makes a lot of good decisions, but he also, I feel, can be contrived at times and also works with problematic scripts. Mm, yeah. um, and, and this is one such example. Um, but anyway, overall, not bad, though. I mean, I just, I, I don't really know why it's such a front runner to win again. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, but, um, I, uh, you know, whatever. I, I have so many reasons, I think. I think Oscar's so white has something to do with it um, because he's Mexican okay. and they want to reward. Um, no, it's yeah. true. I mean, uh, the, uh, yeah. they're they're very aware of the way that people perceive them. The fact that the Oscars are are the butt of jokes offends all these old white men to the point who are liberals who have always sort of viewed themselves yeah. as socially progressive. Well, also like, the yeah. lead, also the president of the Academy is black. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, uh, Cheryl Boone Isaacs. Yeah, and I feel like we're definitely going to get something in the same way that everyone was so angry that The Dark Knight didn't get nominated for Best Picture, and then next year they're like, "Oh, okay, we're going to have ten nominees now, and now we're going to fit in yeah. District Nine, and you know all that." I feel like in the same yeah. way, the next year we're going to see a lot of differences in that. You yeah. know, because uh, it, it, yeah. this has a chance of affecting their viewership. You know, I, I mean, I'm gonna. I'm tr actually for the first time in a few years, I'm going to be watching the Oscars. <laughs> so it's not affecting my viewership, I suppose, but you know, we're going to yeah, see a different, we're going to see changes in that in the next few months. I'm assuming. I just feel like it's so goofy because the, the issue is not, in my opinion, that the Academy is biased. I mean, that's obviously to some extent you can say that, but the, the larger issue, I think, is just that Hollywood isn't producing yes. films that you Absolutely. Could, you know I mean? yes. And like, think about the films that, that could, think about the films that are black or LGBT or whatever that are, that are great. And then it's like, oh, a film like Tangerine. Yeah, which was shot on like two dollars, so yeah. they don't have the money to promote it. Like the issue is that yeah. to get really uh, noticed by the academy, you have to have a lot of money for campaigning, and those yeah. great independent films like Tangerine don't have. Them. Well, so, but, so but it's well, not. Well, I, you know, I just think that people are like looking at service station. What really blows my mind is Warner Brothers didn't push Creed harder. Like, uh, yeah, that's. Yeah. What, I mean, I didn't see it, but I, I hear that. I would have loved to see. I wouldn't put him in my top five performances, but I would have loved to see Michael B. Jordan get nominated, just because. I think he's a top five male lead performer. Yeah, here. I feel. I feel like that's the right. It it made it would have made sense. It would have made a lot of yeah. sense to nominate him, you know. And but people were talking about Idris Elba over him, and Beast yeah. of the Nation sucked. But it's not. It but Idris Elba's good in that, but he's not as good as Michael yeah. B. Jordan. Just yeah, supporting and for then sure. just going. Going on with the problem of you know Hollywood, and we're tan we're going into tangents <laughs> again, but whatever. I feel like saying it. Um, I read this piece on Jezebel, a website that I'll admit I don't always frequent. Sometimes their headlines are enough to be like, okay, uh, alrighty. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but I I did read this one and I quite liked it. Uh, it's something. It's called something to the effect of uh, I'm really really tired of slave movies. Something to, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. um, it's written by a black woman, so it's from that perspective. And they said that um, uh, well, the only movies that the Oscars honor that are about black people and about black the black experience, movies like Django Unchained, um, Twelve Years, probably to the Birth of a Nation when that comes out. Um, yeah. Glory in the Past. 
precious is another example. When we only value or when this institution only values movies about the black experience where it is where it is about the brutalization of black people or when it is about them be getting beat down. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. Mm. That's a problem. Like, yeah. uh, for example, I remember last year, um, this movie beyond the lights came out. I didn't end up seeing it, unfortunately, it. but it. that had yeah. got, that got a lot of acclaim and it seemed like, okay, we're having an actual positive, uh, image or just an image of black people that don't, don't fit into these, you know, very specific Oscar categories. And it got ignored. Uh, except for a song, I think, or something like that. Like we should be getting movies. Maybe. We should be getting movies about yeah, a song. Those are. We should be getting Oscar movies about like the Harlem Renaissance and about black soldiers in World War Two. Like we have a Don Cheadle uh, Miles movie coming out. I don't a, know if it's a, good. a Don Cheadle what? Yeah, Don Cheadle wrote, directed, starred, and produced. Oh a, wow! A, a I guess a very weird biopic i haven't heard if it's good ah, I hear it's hmm, unorthodox so. biopic of miles yeah. davis but you know we, we should be seeing oscar movies about the entirety of the black experience not just the darkest most just shameful elements of it like those stories yeah, those stories true. need to be told like we need to you know we need to be told but at the same time like we can't be for one thing we can't be relying on movies to be doing our history for us like like no one should watch 12 years a slave and be like oh man now i know how bad slavery was you should have known like the, our, our history classes are doing a terrible job of this if yeah. if someone watches django unchained and he's suddenly like oh wow slavery was bullshit now wasn't it <laughs> like no it's, it should be common knowledge it you know? all, all of my history teacher fans hate Inglorious Bastards because they complain. So I'm suspicious that kids actually think Hitler was shot by a bunch of uh, uh, bunch by a bunch <laughs> of Jews. You know, um, I've been seeing some tweets about you know right now the that American Crime Story show is going on, the People versus mm -hmm. O.J. Simpson. I'm oh, seeing yeah. tweets from people being like, "Oh, what's happening next? What's going to happen next?" Like they like, didn't know that this actually happened. <laughs> Man, I love this story about this this football player who I didn't know. About. Wow, who came up with this? Wow, so many different twists. Uh, so All we're right. already well, yeah. Dude, this has led to a good uh, subsection that we should totally timestamp and advertise or sort of yeah, Oscar yeah, so sure. Oscar so right, um, discussion. But but this does transition us really well to the second film we're going to review today, and that is a film. Again, I think I'm a slightly higher on, if not significantly, than everyone. The easy grader of me is coming out, but um. But it's a movie, the first big 2016 movie, it's a movie about Hollywood. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's the, the latest church, from... The Church of Hollywood. Yeah, the Church of Hollywood. There <laughs> we go. From, from uh, those dastardly Cohen brothers. Um, it's called Hail Caesar. And mm. this film is... In, is this, this film is not as crazy as the trailer would lead you to believe. However, the it is actually very... didn't sell me on this movie. I actually liked it more than the trailer. It, yeah, the I really liked the trailer, but it, it was it was a bit more fast paced, and and this movie is while it does contain some some broad Coen Brothers humor that you get in Reasoner, Arizona, or in Burn After Reading, it still is very much a Coen Brothers movie. Meaning, first off, uh, cinema scores will be low, and second, <laughs> um, I think it was I think it was low. It was. Yeah, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look yeah. this up. That's pretty much failing. <laughs> Can I ask a quick question about CinemaScore? How, where does that, who does, like, is it just audiences? Like, I think that they just like, pick random audiences yeah. and they give it to When I saw the, a few uh, years interesting. ago. Interesting. Yeah. 
I've done two for Weinstein. Oh, wow. The only one I've ever done was uh, Hail Caesar has a C minus, by the way. So um, that's pretty much it now. Pretty much. Um, uh, yeah, the only time I ever did one. Yeah. The only time I ever did one was when I saw the uh, Paul Rudd, Sean William Scott comedy um, uh, oh, role, role models. models. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's the only time I've ever been confronted with that. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, Hail Caesar. Um, I did the plot for a Revenant, so someone else. Yeah, the, the 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 plot of this is is of, a, of an interesting nature because it's very episodic, with mm. sort of a lot of strands that cohere more on a thematic level than they do necessarily on a singular story level because it has so many mini movies within it because it is about the Hollywood system of the 1950s. Um, it's about that that backlot lifestyle. Mm. Of, it's about we the have Eddie Mannix the- here. I'm sorry. No, no. It's a, it, there's this Eddie Mannix character played by Josh Brolin, who's the protagonist. Who is a real sort of, guy. Yeah, he's he's totally based on a real guy, and he's a very Catholic man, a very pious man, and very Catholic, and he believes in suffering essentially as well. Where he goes about fixing all these problems from all of these idiots who are causing these problems in the first place, and he gets this nice job offer from the U.S. government that would totally change his life for the better. But he still can't leave the system. The whole movie is about his, whether or not he makes that decision again. And it's about how hard it is for him to leave the sort of self-sacrificing um, job where he gets to be the guy who fixes everyone's problems. There's so many side characters, so many hilarious moments. Mm. And for me, this is right in the middle of their canon. And I, mm, I really, really, I really, I mean... I say that same thinking their worst movies are sixes. Out of, <laughs> yeah, like, I yeah. mean, I mean, I really, I think the Coen Brothers may be my favorite filmmakers um, that, oh, that wow. are working. Yeah. And maybe Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, who are like still making like movies on a year on a year basis, just because their films really do speak to me. From Inside Lewin Davis, which I think is one of one of the very best movies of the 21st century, mm, right. uh, in the in its cyclical nature, I think that this movie is very similar in that it also sort of this cyclical story of of not only suffering but of but of this system that that sort of churns out these stories that are a completely vapid yeah. and b incredibly entertaining so the value <laughs> of entertainment like i don't think the coen brothers are going at this necessarily mocking hollywood i think that the coen brothers are going at this while mocking hollywood by all but also acknowledge acknowledging what's good about it just like how in the film they were mocking religion while also sort of showing a pretty earnest depiction of it i think yeah so so um i mean i i have already played showed my hand i i am very high on this movie um but um i would love to hear what you guys think um i guess i could start um this is i think robbie and i previously both said that we like both liked it and i don't want to speak for you but, I, but it was one of those things where like, i liked it but i hard i'm having a hard time figuring out why i didn't like it more yeah because like, like, don't get me wrong like, i i did like it i love the coen brothers honestly they are possibly i mean i don't really know who my favorite working filmmaker is but they're definitely very high up for me i have an enormous amount of respect for them both as directors and as writers um um but i i did enjoy this but it just definitely it felt to me like had a lot of really great um, big ideas, but certain ones like maybe just like didn't cohere quite as well as they could have. So I like was a little bit fuzzy on some of them. Mm. There were just like parts that felt like the threads were just like a, like straining to connect and weren't quite connecting. 
Um, it, it also felt like a, a little bit. Uh, well, I don't know. I won't go for too long. Maybe just like a, a it kind of ties in a little bit overstuffed in a way, which I think was part of the the mm-hmm. point in a way of like the sort of frenzy of Hollywood and and uh, all the different like kind of stories that are being produced at one time and how that can create so many different tones and have so many different characters. But I think that still sort of left me feeling like a little bit maybe like. I don't know, uh, unclear on some on the purpose of some sections or some characters or some ideas, if that makes any sense. I feel like I wish this movie went a little bit broader. I wish it was a little bit more, you know, like the Channing Tatum dance sequence is so... Oh, it's, it's just so good. Like, it made me think... <laughs> Okay, yeah, why isn't great, yeah. why isn't this whole movie a musical? Like that's what that made me think. Like I feel I love a Coen Brothers musical. Yeah, like I, I like we need it. Like we need it at this point. But I feel I wish Hail Caesar was that. You know, then I feel like um, maybe it didn't mean to be that. I'm not really sure. I don't know if I should prescribe what this movie should have been. Um, but I just I feel like there are. Well, I mean, once again, I lo- I really like the- I really like this movie. It- there are two or three of the- this is already the- this as a comedy is better than every mainstream released comedy last year. Everyone, <laughs> yeah. I laughed more at I this than at Spy, than at Trainwreck, than at the the Seth Rogen Christmas movie. Like the- last year <laughs> was just so weak for me as far as comedies go. And this the- all the good comedies were were indie. Yeah, my my two favorite comedies of the year were A Pigeon Sound and a Branch Reflecting on Existence <laughs> and Entertainment. Two of yeah. both of those are like barely even comedies like, to some people. Almost like anti. Yeah. yeah. Entertainment at least is like yeah. anti. I I I guess with Hail Caesar, I feel like there are a lot of um uh, a lot of really great opportunities that they don't capitalize on, and I'm not sure why. I f- I feel like like. Like Tilda Swinton, like uh, she shows up a couple of times. I wanted a little bit more of her, you know. Uh, I mean, granted, I'm always going to be thankful that I got to hear her say the term "fixing to be friendly" um, in this movie. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I wanted a little bit more of her. Uh, Jonah Hill is the biggest example of this. What is he doing here? Like, I, I know his character is supposed to be a blank. Like, the joke is that he meets the minimum yeah. requirements of personhood. <laughs> Yeah. But like it, it literally feels like oh Jonah Jonah's on the lot shooting another movie. Let's get him in for one scene, and which and, is but yeah, but, and for I some mean, reason he's on the poster. Like it it would be the same it's, as it's if a good point. But at the same time, I think that is the point. Also, like that that they literally pulled him off. Hey, you're working on this other movie. Come work on ours. <laughs> like like I mean, maybe I'm prescribing too much, giving too much credit. But but, but it would but be if like if, like if they put that. Jonah Hill on the Django Unchained poster, you know, that's that's the equivalent, you know, <laughs> not really. It's just probably the same amount of screen time, to be honest. With you. It is. The, I'm sure he has more in Django. Oh, yeah. yeah, because <laughs> because that scene has more room to breathe. Um, the, 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 the first thing I want to say is I'm just going to read a list of names. Eddie Mannix is good. yes okay, but it's a real name. It's a real Baird name. Whitlock. Oh, I love that name so much. I love George. I love George Clooney so much in this too. So he's great. Hobie Doyle. Hobie Doyle. Lawrence Lorenz. Oh, Alden Ehrenreich. We haven't even mentioned him yet. Yeah, no, he's 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 phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Um, yeah. Deanna Moran. Um, Scarlett Johansson's last name is literally Moran. Oh, yeah. Um, Thora Thacker and Thessaly Thacker. 
are great names. Mm, yes. um, my favorite name, Bert Gurney. The name, <laughs> name's character is Bert Gurney. If you say it fast, it sounds like Bert Gurney. Like, I don't know. <laughs> These are some of their best names. In Communist Writer number yeah. one, Communist yeah. Writer number two. And there, there, and there are just so many great comedic set pieces. There's the scene where, like, they're they're making this this film, Hail Caesar, which is basically Ben Hur. Um, it, it, it's even subtitled A Tale of the Christ, which is the same subtitle that Ben Hur had. Um, and they they have these the scene of these four religious advisors that are basically apostles. Like, and if they're gonna if we're gonna put this in biblical terms, like these are apostles. Um, <laughs> that is so like. I'm going to look up the guy that plays the the rabbi. He oh had yeah, me, no, he, he, he had was, me in fucking <laughs> tears. It was uh, so uh, funny. It's Robert Picardo. He was on one mm, of those shows yes. like, from the '90s. Yes, and <laughs> my fit. Oh my god, I I fucking cried when there's this Greek Orthodox looking dude, and you know, um, Eddie Manx asks, "Okay, um, uh, air out any of your issues with the movie." He's expecting people to have problems with the representations yeah. of God or whatever. <laughs> this Greek Orthodox dude, the first thing he says is, "I didn't really buy him the chariot scene. I didn't really buy him jumping from one chariot to another." So it's like believability. <laughs> yeah. That scene and the... Whether it was a simple. Whether it was a simple. Whether it was a simple. My favorite part about the whole thing is uh, when they come back to it later in the actual film and he goes, what does he say? It's just like, it was complicated. <laughs> yeah, so good. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, <laughs> so no, dumb. yeah. It's the Francis Foreman <laughs> editing scene, and when, when after yeah. she almost dies, like whenever he gets to finally see, well, like the punchline. Oh, it's so good. And yeah. I don't know. For me, yeah. I, I I think that all of these pieces fit. I love the way that the, I love the way that all of these small sections, all the movie within the movies, are edited because they're all edited in the style that you would oh, actually. Yeah. Get. Where the, the Scarlett uh, Johansson mermaid yes, theme movie yes. is so slow. I mean, it's, it's exactly. It's exactly like I haven't seen Million Dollar Mermaid, but that's I know that's the movie that that is directly referencing, and that Scar- yeah. the Scarlett Johansson is basically referencing uh, the person in that one whose name I was completely <laughs> Esther something. I'm so mm-hmm. dumb. Um, but anyways, uh, I also kind of wish that they gave Char- Channing a little bit more to do because it, he has that really amazing establishing dance sequence. But then you don't see him at all until the end when. You realize he's been this important character this whole time. <laughs> I love the way he prances to the to, to, onto the thing that I don't want to spoil. Oh yeah, like, the, the way he moves is Channing Tatum is a godsend for Hollywood. He's yes. Yeah, he's, if if you're still of, on the anti if you're still anti Channing Tatum if you're still anti Channing Tatum then you are not paying attention. It's like if you're still anti Kristen Stewart, yeah. then you're not paying attention. I was just about to say he's like the male Kristen Stewart at this point. They need to do a movie together. He's gone far beyond proving himself yeah. at this point. He's yeah. doing an R-rated musical with um, produced and starring um, the other guy who's a good song and dance. Oh my god, man. I can't wait. What's his name? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, oh, uh, oh, that I'm, should be that should be great. I really hope it's great yeah. because I mean, after just like Magic Mike XXL. Yeah, he needs I mean. To be in after the Magic Mike movies and after the 22 Jump Street movies and after 
Um, uh, he was in something else. Uh, the Foxcatcher. Yeah, after Foxcatcher, how oh, could yeah. you, how right. could you still like? How can you still not see like? What the, uh, uh, he's 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 amazing. He's great. Yeah. Um, the, and I would have never said that four years ago. Four years ago, I would be like, he, he, he would be like Chad Michael Murray, you know, like that type of dude, you know? <laughs> Jai Courtney. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so be, be for, for the sake of time. Um, oh my you, God, we're already 50 minutes. Okay, we're definitely, guys, we're definitely separating yeah. this section into its own podcast. Yeah, you guys, yeah. I, I absolutely feel free to, to continue the conversation. But the last thing I want to make sure I do say is that the movie, I was enjoying it, but not knowing where I would place it in the canon. Like, I was like, I mean, I mean, it's just a, you know, trying to rate it in my head. Like, I like this, but is it great? Like, it has these great scenes. The moment that sells me for it is actually spoiled in the trailer. And it makes oh, it, oh. you feel like it's going much earlier. Yeah. Because the whole thesis for the movie is in this great punchline where George Clooney is giving a speech. And it pretty much, to me, just cohered every single plot line because it's saying that all of these hijinks are you know because he's truly giving this moving speech like and the the trailer doesn't play it as moving like he's doing a really good job like uh, of that old school hollywood acting good job but like he, he's doing this good job and then of course as the trailer spoils he he, he flubs the line and, he, and <laughs> the, what's the line he forgets faith, faith. Oh. He forgets. Yeah. right which is the, the theme of the whole movie is faith really yeah. And, and and faith in Hollywood, faith in these movies, and of course faith that the in, system itself can't yeah. remember the word. It, to me, just like I just I just nodded my head. I'm like that works so much better <laughs> than the trailer. Yeah. And I love this movie. Like, yeah. I hope yeah. I see it again and have a have a stronger reaction to it. Either way, even I mean, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I I yeah. That's all I have to sorry, say. I was gonna say, I can, yeah, the, I'm pretty much done. So I was gonna say, I see myself revisiting this down the line after sitting on it for a while after seeing some Cobra the films I haven't seen yet too I get to myself enjoying it more I think alrighty yeah. even though I did already I think I think I can finish it alrighty um okay so uh I guess we're going to end this section of the podcast and move on to the next section of the podcast so if you uh if you made it to this point and you um, wanted to see our top 10 list, you're going to get our top 10 list at the next podcast, which I'm probably going to drop both of them around the same time or um, probably the probably in a couple days apart just because or yeah. maybe, I don't know, something like that. So, yeah. So uh, thank you for listening if you have already listened, and we'll see you in approximately 30 seconds. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.